This is a Hot Pie Original. Hi, this is Pat Pearson and Hot Pie Media, bringing you Stop Self-Sabotage. I'm going to be bringing you this program every week, and we're going to be delving into the wonderful messiness of our lives. We're going to be talking about your hopes, your fears, and the emotional issues that you need to resolve to make you even happier will be discussed at all all the times we're together. In this process, you got to ask yourself, what's in it for you? Well, what's in it is an uplifting information, renewed hope, and some fabulous people who are going to come in to share their life stories. All of it wrapped up in a wonderful container to help you deserve even more of life's great adventure. Come join me. We're going to have a good time on Hot Pie Media, Stop So Sabotage. Well, hello. We're here today to talk about relationships and marriage. And I have brought in uh, this wonderful couple here, Chris and Heather Balmley. Hello. Hello. Thank you for joining me. Hello. Thank you. (laughs) Excited to be here. Thank you. Okay. So now I've got some questions. How long have you guys been married? We are at 12 and a half years. Okay. 12.5. Good. How's it going? It's going great. That's good to hear because I think it's going awesome. <laughs> you were glad to hear that yeah, your wife yeah, it's chimed the in same, there. On the same good. page, right? <laughs> okay. So, Chris, tell me how you met uh, originally. Um, it was a uh, Wednesday night, and uh, a buddy of mine and I went to an art show uh, down on Sixth Street uh, at a place called the Parish. So we walked in, started talking to one of the artists, and kind of you know took took that whole scene in. Um, and then I saw her talking to a group of girls and thought I would go in and try to initiate some contact. Um, <laughs> but I went in as kind of where I had a rip cord, meaning I go in and I say, Hey, I, I need to use a restroom. But, you know, and it started a conversation that way. If it starts going horribly bad, I can just say, Oh, I, I have to go. Um, so you started out telling them that you had to go to the bathroom. Yeah. He that asked me fr- where the bathroom was. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. yeah. So it wasn't like, hi, I need to pee. No, <laughs> right. no, yeah. nothing graphic. I mean, nothing. You, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so what's it, what an incredible pickup line. Yeah. Right. You know, hi, I have yeah. to pee. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, it was not that. <laughs> okay. Okay. And All so right. uh, we had a good conversation for about five minutes. I thought she's absolutely adorable, which of course she is. <laughs> um, and then I said, hey, I really do need to go to the, to the bathroom. Um, so I, I left, went in, did that, came right back. And she's gone. And I'm yes. like, ah, because I had just come out of a marriage that I had met somebody my freshman year in college, thought he, Chris was adorable. He comes up, he talks to me. I'm doing my best dance. He doesn't ask for my number and says, I really did have to go to the bathroom. And I'm like, I suck at this. And I left. <laughs> I went home. Yep. <laughs> so first encounter, not the most binding and bonding you have ever had. Um, well, no, I, I mean, I felt a connection with her and yeah. I was, you know, for the next couple of days, couldn't really get her off my mind. And so I'm just, you know, beating myself up. It's like, hey, you dummy, just get get the number. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. It's not, it can't yeah. be that hard. Yeah. Yeah. OK. So obviously something happened. Tell me about what the next encounter was. So uh, this uh-huh. is probably uh, that was July and this is October. 
several months later, um, started chatting with her on an online dating service, Unmatch. Um, and we just kind of uh, started hitting it off from there. Um, you know, in her, her little profile, she was an English major from the University of Texas, which is my alma mater. Uh-huh. Um, and she had spelling errors. She's misspelled words in there. <laughs> so did. my first uh, email to her was, hey, let's get together for some spelling lessons. <laughs> So we had a connection um, and then we went to uh, uh, on a Monday night just to get a quick drink and we sat there and I didn't know she was the, the, the person that I had met at the art show. And so we're having a glass of wine and, you know, talk for a couple of minutes and I ask her, well, what do you do? And she says, I'm in radio. And then right then it was just like the whole world just stopped. And I go, I know you. You were an art show at the parish. And boom. And since then, I was just done. And the universe just pulled us back together and I guess decided that we were supposed to be uh, with each other. Isn't that isn't that an incredible story? I mean, the synchronicity in that is pretty amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's like you didn't get it first. You know, she was Cinderella. She left the shoe and (laughs) raced off. Right. And you're searching for and through. You know, other devices, you come back together. We really felt that when we were sitting there and he said, his whole face changed after I said I was in radio. I see he got and it. And I didn't yeah. get it at first. I was thinking, <laughs> well, do you hate people from radio? Like, well, what's <laughs> happening on that side? And it was, he said, were you at an art show? And then when he said that, it, I, it hit me as well. And then I really kind of, we talked about it a lot since then. We both kind of felt like, oh, we're supposed to be paying attention. You know, it's yeah, really exactly. so bizarre. How many times do you have to be thrown together? Yeah, to don't get right. it. Don't mess, mess this one up. Right. Yeah. There's got her absolutely something there. <laughs> yeah. I got her number that time. Yeah. Yeah, I did. <laughs> she got your number too. <laughs> I did. She's had my number ever since. <laughs> <laughs> okay. First impressions. What did you think about her first time you saw her? Uh, beautiful. Um, uh, and, and also kind of a girl next door quality. You know, not just this uh, preening type person, but she seemed very genuine and very real. And she absolutely is. Wow. Nice. What did you think of you? Tall, handsome and funny. Mm. Yeah. That's what made me nervous. Made you nervous. When because I think people who are funny are smart. I mean, that's you maybe not always are. fair, but when you're <laughs> witty, you, you got to have some stuff going on up there in order to see the world that way. Right. And he was really quick. And I liked that. Yeah. 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 Well, we're going to be talking about relationships here today. Okay. And you've just told, you've just, um, uh, gotten a plus on the first test. The first test is how do you describe meeting your mate? And do you have joy around that? Mm. And you both did. You both did. Because what happens in bad relationships, we're going to talk about how relationships go bad or what are the signs and then how they can, of course, um, be repaired and, and do better. Um, but one of the signs, uh, one of the indications we use when we're working with couples is to see how do you describe it? Because if your relationship is in trouble, you will rework your memories. Hmm. Mm. And, and so, because memories are, are plastic, you know, right. and, uh, and so if you see a couple that talks about how they met with some joy and fun and, oh my gosh, and the universe brought us back together and look at how great this is, then you got something you could work with. Wow. So interesting. You're doing all okay. Right. Already. Awesome. All right. <laughs> Good, Good to know. <laughs> That's the first one. 
<laughs> okay, what I'm going to be sharing today for my listeners and with you as well is um, from a book called Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work. It's written by a man named uh, Dr. John Gottman. And he, for 25 years, has, um, has studied the science of relationships. And what happens with most therapists like myself, if you're dealing with couples, is you're dealing from an opinion position. You know, you have some training and then you think you should train them in in, in active listening or conflict management or all this kind of stuff you should teach them. His position was to go at it from science. So what he did with couples is he had what he called a love lab. And he, people would, the couples would check in for um, a weekend or a week, and he would monitor their bodily responses to each other. I mean, he did blood tests. He had, um, he had um, uh, blood pressure cuffs on them. I mean, all this kind of stuff. And, of course, the, the cameras to see how they interacted, to see how they treated each other. Hmm. So it was based on science, 25 years of research. And he um, can now claim that with 91% accuracy, 91%, in the first five minutes with a couple, he can predict whether they're going to get a divorce. Wow. 91% accuracy. I mean, yeah, pretty amazing. That's amazing. And here's how he does it. Okay. He's he's monitoring um, not only their physiological uh, responses, but he's monitoring, of course, how they treat each other. He's monitoring uh, body language, tone, tonality, um, you know, responses, criticism, complaints, all that kind of stuff. But I just want to share with you here one of the things, and I think you guys probably already know this. What do you think is the best basis for making a marriage work? Um, communication. Okay. Can I have two or do I only get yes, to have no, one? You get two. <laughs> you have two. Um, communication and, um, the freedom to be who you really are in that relationship to stay who you are and to feel like you can fit into the relationship at yeah. the same time. Good. Nice. Yeah. Anything would, different? Um, yeah, I would say, and I, I don't remember where I read this, but it does seem to ring true. Um, that you should have a generous assumption mm, of that like other that. person, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which then start, you know, alleviates criticism. It can alleviate judgment. Mm-hmm. Um, you're just, you're just having a big warm space for that other person. Right. Right. I'll, I'll give you the, the clinical definition of that positive sentiment overload. <laughs> that sounds like fun. <laughs> <laughs> I, how's my positive sentiment going? Have I overloaded you I'm yet? Overloaded. <laughs> overloaded yet with positive sentiment. <laughs> but to your point, it is a generous assumption and that you started that place that um, that you're going to assume the positive of them rather than assuming the negative. Mm. So that if somebody's yeah. a little touchy, a little short, that the the uh, definition of that becomes oh something's wrong in her world. There's not something wrong between us. Okay, that's where the positive sentiment comes in. That basically you give them the the you know benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. You don't take it on personally, whatever they maybe that uh, it's about them, not you. Right. right. Yeah. And that you keep your positive sentiment about them and your, that your generosity yeah, yeah. of uh, belief. Right. Yeah. I like that. So let me give you some statistics here just because everybody wants to listen about this. Um, you know, the divorce rate currently is climbing. It's now hit 65% for, for new marriages. Wow. <clears throat> yeah. 
And that, and I don't know that they have a divorce rate estimate for pandemic mm-hmm. and it's going to escalate it. There's no question about that. University of Michigan found out that, that there's some problems physiologically with you if you stay in an unhappy marriage. One of them is that you get sick 35% more of the time wow. and that you can literally die four years younger. The chronic stress of an unhappy marriage um, can lead to literally your immune system being compromised. T cells, immune response, you get sicker, you get, you get, uh, the sickness you get is worse. And, but happy marriages, on the other hand, can give you all that bounce in your step, in your immune response, and in the ability to handle stress because they become a little, they become a little nest, okay, that you can come back to. Now, neither one of you said this, but statistically, the quality of the relationship, the friendship is what 70% of people have said makes their marriage happy. You said it in other ways, but yeah, quality of the friendship. So the key in that friendship is mutual respect and enjoyment of each other's company. Okay. So what happens when you're not enjoying them? You know, come on, (laughs) there's conflict everywhere, right? Even in the best marriages are never perfect. And, And that's what Dr. Gottman found is that even in the best marriages, people are not perfect. Of course, there's going to be conflict and there's going to be areas that you butt heads in. So what are those for you? Heather, what makes you frustrated with Chris? (laughs) Um, response time. Is that it? it? So I think people process things at different speeds and I've had to learn to be patient, to give him the space to, uh, um, process the information that is happening. So if it's me and I'm upset with something and I come, I want to have a conversation way faster Right. And if it's not coming back fast, I can take that personally. And just it doesn't it's not helpful for the situation. So kind of back to that general assumption of me learning his process, I've I've had to give him that time and space, which isn't easy because in that moment I'm feeling an urgency because I don't feel good about something. So I want to fix it as fast as possible. Right. And women want to talk. And I, I like to talk. <laughs> well, that's just- <laughs> well, you're, you're also you're also emotionally nimble and you can understand what those emotions are. And you're amazing at verbalizing them. You're like a, a Ph.D. in linguistics, whereas <laughs> I'm reading on a you know kindergarten level as far as feeling what emotions I am actually feeling. <clears throat> Number one, it typically takes me a while to, sure. to really go in and figure out, oh, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of times that's overnight. A lot of times that's. It, and which is, a, you know, the source of, of frustration on. on yeah, part. the overnight part was hard because that was one of my things when we first met is I said, let's never go to bed mad. And then when we did, I was making something out of that that wasn't really there. You know, it was really just he needed to process. That's his that's his time. Right. And and I know for me in different situations, sometimes I have to sleep on it in order to find the answer that I'm looking for. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's hard when you're the person waiting for the answer. So it, that's a, a, a good way to say it. The, the overnight thing was something I had to really um, come to terms with and get okay with and, sure. and figure out, you know, it was, it was it, that was hard. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it was fascinating about what you're saying based on the research, right? I'm quoting research here is that um, 
statistically, women are, are the first to bring up these subjects. Men tend to avoid them. They tend not to want to deal with them and they tend to withdraw from them. Now, that doesn't mean that you won't deal with it, but it just to your point about, about timing and whereas women want to get it done then and, and that women have a statistic, um, a gender bias of talking about it mm-hmm. where men can go into themselves, think about it more if and, then, figured out. and then come back. Yeah, yeah for sure. And I'm not okay. talking to my buddies and going, Hey, you know, Tim, I'm, I'm feeling a little anxious. Can I have a hug? <laughs> you know, it's just not the way boys, men were, were, were raised. Right. Right. And we can evolve a little bit, which hopefully we are. <laughs> yes. Hopefully. Yes, of course. Okay. So here's what Gottman found out. <clears throat> He said that conflict does not predict divorce. Conflict is inherent in everything and every relationship. And even when people are silent, that is a form of conflict mm-hmm. for sure. So it may be yelling. I mean, depending culturally, you know, if you're from, from a European family, maybe uh, Italian or Spanish or whatever, you may be yelling, ah, mamma mia. And, <laughs> or are you from, you know, my background is, is Norwegian. We tend to get very stoic and put it in, but neither one of those is particularly good in the sense that it doesn't solve the conflict. Here's the problems with conflict. Number one, he talks about a harsh setup, and that is the immediately believing negatively about your partner Mm. and being accusatory, right? If you start there, pretty much it's going to go nowhere. So 90% of the time, 96% of the time, you can predict an outcome of that um, conflict by seeing how it starts. So if it starts with accusations, if it starts with you always, you did again, you, you know, why don't you get it or all that kind of stuff? Yeah. 96% of the time you're going nowhere without conflict. It's going to be, you know, pretty bad. Chris is really good at, if I say you always, or you never, he always says, don't globalize it. Tell me what you're upset about in this moment. You know, and he's good about catching me when I use those words. Yeah. Which, which, which it's good when he does it. It doesn't make me mad to, to come back to, it's like, oh, you're right. You don't always, I don't actually mean that. Yeah. So then I can revise and say what I really feel. Right. So that, it's actually really helpful. What, yeah. Because what I feel is when you do, or anybody I would suspect when they say you always, you never, it's like, that's when you I start would start to get defensive. Yeah, right? absolutely. What, what do you mean? I always, I don't always, I don't do that. always do anything. Yeah, not yeah. always wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's there's probably evidence for that. <laughs> Boatloads, I'm sure. <laughs> okay, so here's what Gottman said. Harsh setup, 96% of the time, it's going to go bad. And he calls the these next four things the four horsemen of the apocalypse for marriage. Hmm. Ready? Here we go. Number one, criticism. Criticism is different than complaints. Okay, when you start saying you... You always, you do to your point. That's criticism. A complaint is, I don't like this. So using the word you versus using the word I. I I can complain about things. I don't like that your socks are in the middle of the floor. I don't like that you show up late. I don't like. That's a complaint. Criticism is, of course, you always or you whatever, never. So that's one. Number two. Contempt. And this is an escalating mm. scale. Okay. Contempt is when you're snapping, sneering, mockery, sarcasm, disgust. It conveys disgust. So when there's like, 
God, again, you know. Yeah. Then then you're into disgust and then you're into a, some level of contempt and, and or sarcastic response. Yeah. Okay. Defensiveness, number three, you defend yourself from the blame that you feel from your partner. <clears throat> so you always have reasons and things to say about why you did something. You're constantly feeling under attack. Now, that may be from your partner or it may be just internally inside of you because a lot of us show up defensive and then we come into a marriage and we, you know, a person says, hey, honey, you know, um, we need to be there at this time. And they go, what do you, what do you mean? I'm always on time, you know, and you were just giving a piece of information, but it got taken as a attack. Right. Okay. Stonewalling. When you turn away from your partner and simply turn a cold ear to the situation, this builds up over time. This is this is more common in men. It tends to be a way of handling the conflict as opposed to women who are mo- more willing to talk about it. Okay. But it's cumulative. Those are the four um, horsemen mm. of an apocalypse for marriage. Now, every marriage has some of these. Okay. And what I want to say is that none of them are bad. As long as I'm going to talk about this in a minute, as there is a an effort by the couple to make it a repair attempt, okay, that's that's what separates bad behavior from good behavior, and that's what saves the situation. But let's go back to this because you're you're being nice enough to be transparent here. Which of these four criticism, contempt, defensiveness, or stonewalling when you're really mad do you get into? I think we do a lot of criticism, um, either of us, I would suspect. Um, one, of, one of the things that I do that, um, um, that doesn't turn out well would probably be stonewalling, right? Because once I've gotten to the point where I, I can't process it, my emotions are overloaded, then I, then I want to remove myself from the situation. Sure. So I don't say anything that I shouldn't say or, you know. Right. do something like that. Yeah. So I would and say and when I've pushed him, then, then that's poking the bear. That's not good either. So the yeah. stonewalling I prefer yeah. over the, over the non, <laughs> don't poke the bear. The, the, yeah. Just don't poke the Which bear. Which kind of goes back to the waiting is it is stonewalling. Yeah. And I know if I wait, then we can get back to a constructive right. conversation. Right. I think, I think defensiveness is probably another one too, maybe more on my side of, you know, um, which comes from that, I think you said it in there, people who are always reasoning themselves out of something. Right. Oh, well, you know. I did. The socks are in the middle of the floor because I my feet were hot and I, blah, blah, blah. it doesn't matter. Who cares why? <laughs> you know, if you, you feel like that's a great thing to say because yeah. you're giving them a reason, but it doesn't actually matter. Right, right, You right. know, it, so that would probably maybe, does that fit in the defensiveness? It does. Do you think? It yeah. does indeed. Yeah, yeah. You have a defense if there's, if you perceive an accusation, you have a defense for why. Yeah. yeah. And when a person is saying something that's upset them or how they feel, you don't care why. It, I think when I've been on the other side of that, the feeling <clears throat> within that defensiveness is you're telling me why is telling me why I should not feel this way. That's not making me feel heard. So that's why the why doesn't matter in that moment. Mm-hmm. Just saying, I hear you. I'm sorry is much more efficient. Well, it is indeed. In the moment. In the you moment. Know? If, if we had the resources to do that. Yeah. But of course, when we're really heavily in conflict, we've our, our um, reasoning brain has shut down. 
we're now in our primal, mm-hmm. <laughs> you right. know, fight or flight, yep. you know, you know, yep. go to that kind of brain cells. So, all right. So let's talk about uh, repair attempts, right? Everybody gets into these things. Everybody has uh, these moments when they're in conflict with their spouse or their partner. The, the other thing I want to say before we talk about uh, repair attempts is a, a concept called flooding. And flooding means that um, there's been so much negativity back and forth. This is cumulative over time that you're overwhelmed with any um, surfacing of, of a new conflict. Mm-hmm. So the prediction then is it's going to go badly. I got to get out of here. And so what you start to do and you feel shell shocked. I mean, this, of course, is an emotionally abusive marriages and um, and uh, just I mean, just maybe somebody who who over time, you know, and in, in the longevity of the marriage, they've had so many fights and it goes so badly every time. Right. That as soon as you start to get there, it's like, oh, my gosh, you know, it's hot. It's like scar so. tissue, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Shell shock. So what happens then is more often than this, you become hypervigilant and um, and you're in it uh, and the hypervigilance is to protect yourself from this perceived negative override. Mm-hmm. So you disengage. And these are the people who start li- living. They may stay married, but they're not living. They're living parallel lives. Yeah. They've disengaged from each other. There isn't the connection. There isn't the intimacy that everyone hopes for in marriage. And it's why you get married. You know, you don't get married to be alone. You get married to have a partner and to have some intimate um, contact. So, um, so the more often this happens, uh, the more, um, the the more problematic the marriage is. And men, the biology of men, uh, stonewalling, as you said, more than women, um, is that it takes them, they're more easily overwhelmed in conflict, interestingly enough. And this is, once again, Gottman is not talking opinions. Right. He's talking, your, he's got you wired up. He's I, watching heart rates. I can see that. Yeah. He's watching yeah. perspiration. He's watching every, you know, all the biological functioning uh, to say that. So when that happens and you're overwhelmed, you want to get away. Women happen, they tend to bring up the sensitive issues. They tend to be the ones that initiate it. And they handle the stress a little bit better. Their heart rates don't go up quite as but They have a recovery time. So about 80% of the time, um, this is this is how it goes. And so the men feel overwhelmed. The women want to talk. And then there's a standoff. <laughs> now, this isn't bad for marriages. It doesn't mean the marriage is in trouble. Yeah. It means this is the research. Right. 80% of the time. Pretty big. Yeah. Makes okay, total that's sense. That's really interesting. Yeah. 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 So, and, and I want to share that with everyone listening and watching because- I think there's a tendency that we demonize ourselves and our partners. Right. Well, he always does this. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, he's a man. You know, it's pretty much 80% of the time. Right. <laughs> you know? That's what you get. That's what you bought. That's what you get. You know, yeah. well, she incessantly wants to talk. Yeah, well, come on. <laughs> you know, there is a gender bias here. You know, I'm trying to be, I'm right. trying to walk down yes, this that's helpful. path. path. Yeah. Okay. There's an old adage. That whatever you were attracted to in your spouse after a few years is what drives you crazy. (laughs) So if you liked that she was neat, now she's driving you crazy by putting everything in order. If you liked that he was flippant and funny, 
now he can't be serious. Do you see any of that in, in your relationship? You may or may not. Um, the only thing that I would say, and it's, I mean, I wouldn't say hate or whatever, but I've just noticed is Heather is very bubbly and likes to talk. And, and usually when she's doing it, I'm paying attention and typically looking, is there something that I need to do? Is there something actionable? Right. Um, it, but she also talks to herself about things that have nothing to do with me. So there's been a few times where she's like talking and I stop whatever I'm doing. What? What? Oh, I'm just talking to myself. I'm like, oh, okay. So, so it's been a, a kind of a fine line to where, what I need to pay attention to and what I don't. So I'm getting, I'm getting better at it. I think. That is funny. I, yeah, I definitely do talk to myself. <laughs> yeah. 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 And because you are good at helping me, I definitely have a shorter window of trying to fix things on my own. It's, you know, right. If, if I was single, it would be, well, it would be forever. I'd have to figure it out. But then when you have somebody that's near you, that's really capable, you know, I like the fact that he's really capable. Um, and I, it, it almost, uh, you atrophy your ability to process and figure things out on your own because you have somebody there that's always helping you. And so I have to watch myself because I can feel overwhelmed and know that I want to call to him and have him help me with something. And the truth is, I don't actually need him. I can do it on my own. You know, it's just kind of funny. But that goes back to the talking, talking to myself. (laughs) See, I'm talking to myself so I can do it by myself. Okay. (laughs) All right. There are two types of marital problems, solvable and perpetual. And the solution is the same for either. And that is basically the acceptance of the person personality and, um, and loving them in spite of it, you know, in spite of any of whatever. And, you know, and the interesting thing is that, um, in marriages in which you can accept that there are these things that will never be changed, Mm -hmm. that, that are character, that are personality that may at times get on your uh, nerves, but that they are insolvable, they're perpetual and you accept it. And you find a way to live with it and even laugh about it. Mm-hmm. Laughing about it's particularly good. Right. Not laughing at the person, but laughing with, oh, yeah. there we go again. <laughs> okay. All right. I ran in to see what you needed and you were talking at the wall. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So there you go. Um, here's the research. Ready? What do you think the percentage of marital conflict that is solvable is? Well, let's do it the other way. Sorry. I would what guess. Do you, what, uh, do you, what do you think the, the percentage of marital conflict that is insolvable is? 60%? That's not solvable? Yeah. I right. guess I'm pretty optimistic. I would say um, 20% is not solvable. They found out that 69% wow, marital is not conflict solvable. is not solvable. Wow. Holy smokes. Right. Sorry. Which... <laughs> Okay. Well, the lawyer is outside. You can both- oh, that's what this is about. Oh. Yeah. Good marriages learn to live with it and yeah. they learn to laugh at it. Right. And it's these little annoyances, you know, that, that you just take for granted. You just say, well, no one's right. No one's wrong. We're different people. This is how we, this is how we roll. This is what we, you know, this is how we do it. And so when you basically learn, to accept that they will always run late, <laughs> that they will never, that they, you know, may never, um, uh, you know, do the exactly the thing you want them to do with their clothes or something. And it's the acceptance 
that is the curative mm-hmm. point. Okay. That you don't, you don't, you don't sweat it anymore. You don't sweat this small stuff. Your heart doesn't get racing every time you see a sock on the floor. You know, we're using that as an example, but it's, it's all part of the same, um, idea. And that is if there's truly, and once again, research, 69% of marital conflict that is unsolvable, then you better learn to live with it. And learn to let it go. Yeah. Let it go. Let it go. And actually even one step past that is to love them through it, to love them for it, with it, around it, you know, because I know for me, if I have something that's, I know maybe is a, uh, unsolvable, right. It it is my personality. Like I talk a lot and I can try really hard not to say everything, but it's just who I am. And when he lets me talk and allows me and just is patient with me, that's his way of, yeah, I'm sure it's annoying. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's entertaining. Yeah. And it's kind (laughs) 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 Well, I have that going for me. Yeah. It's not boring. At least you're cute about it. Oh yeah. She's adorable. Yeah. All right. All right. Okay. But that's, that's hard, you know, to love somebody in something that, that annoys you or is not giving you what you need. Right. You know, I mean, that's a gift if you, you know, to, to give to somebody in that way. Well, clearly. And, and if marriages are to heal, we have to avoid this kind of, um, uh, stigmatizing of people's behavior and saying it's bad or wrong. There are no rights and wrong in terms of behavior. I mean, obviously there are some things, but, but if we just don't like it, that's our preference. And it's my responsibility to handle my don't likes. Yeah. It's, you know? not, it's not my responsibility to fix somebody else. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And one of the things that um, he found that if, if marriages can avoid the if onlys, so if mm-hmm. only they would be different, if only they would change this, then I would be happy. Then, you know, if only he would make more money, if only he would, if only if she would, you know, have sex more, whatever. And the if onlys are those ways that we, um, that we extinguish hope. I mean, we just say it's just not good enough. You know, right. we got to have more. Mm-hmm. And that definition put on any relationship, um, you know, makes it, uh, makes it shrink. Okay. I have a little questionnaire for you. Ready? Play. Yep. All right. We're going to find out how much you know about each other. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was supposed to be paying attention this last 12 years. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you yeah. do. Yeah. Yeah. Show up here. Be good. Okay. This is a true or false answer. You don't have to tell me. Just keep keep track of your trues or falses. Okay. okay? There's uh, sixteen. Uh, there's fifteen questions, and uh, we're gonna uh, ask you the the numbers. Okay. I can name my partner's best friends. True or false? Okay. I can tell you what stresses my partner is cur- currently facing. True or false? I know the names of some of the people who have been irritating my partner lately. That could be your name. <laughs> <laughs> that could be your name. That's fine. I, I could tell you some of my partner's life dreams. I'm very familiar with my partner's religious beliefs and ideas. I can tell, I, I can list the relatives my partner likes the best. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you my partner's basic philosophy of life. Uh, I know my partner's favorite music. I can list my partner's three favorite movies. <laughs> my spouse is familiar with my current stresses, true or false. These are all true or false. I know the three most special times in my partner's life. 
I can tell you the most stressful thing that happened to my partner as a child. I can list my partner's major current worries and my spouse knows who my friends are, true or false. And the last one, I know what my partner would want to do if he or she suddenly won the lottery. Okay. How many trues did you get, Chris? I got them all true. Did you? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Remember, she talks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, at least you were listening. <laughs> all right. Ed, how many did you get, Heather? I think most of them. There's probably two that I would say I'm not. I would be. I, it, what, what happened was the ones I didn't know if I knew made me curious to ask him because I was Good. like, oh, I don't know how he would answer. Yeah. That. That'd be interesting mm. to hear. Yeah. 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 You want to say which one is the uh, word? I know his basic philosophy of life. Is that the, the way it was? Worded? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think you're very I familiar with your partner's religious beliefs. Oh, no. no. Uh, I can tell you about my partner's basic philosophy of life. Yeah. 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 I mean, I could guess, but that one was interesting to me. Like, oh, I wonder if I would answer it the way that he would, that you would answer yeah. it. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Well, yeah. for dinner conversation. Yeah. 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 That's kind of fun. But this is a love maps questionnaire. That's what this is. And so the the assumption that Gottman is making is that if you know the, the inner life, the love map of your partner, you're going to be much better uh, positioned to have a good relationship. You know, and if you can't answer these things, then, you know, you're either too young in the relationship or you're not talking enough. You're mm -hmm. not, yeah. not going back and forth enough or paying enough attention. Yeah, that kind of goes back to you were talking before about the friendship. Right. You know, like if you don't know the answers to those questions, I wouldn't think that's your friend. I mean, you're, you know, just a friendship. You should know those. Answers yeah, exactly. Too. And that's what friends do. They talk about these yeah. things. Yeah. And the interesting, um, and this is out of some other information that I've been trained in, but the interesting thing I've always seen in marriages is that the higher the maintenance talk, the lower the intimacy. Mm -hmm. So if you spend all time you're together talking about the dishwasher that's broken or what needs to be done, um, you know, then the intimacy of that relationship is going mm. to be plummeted. Yeah. So you need to take spaces. I mean, we all have to deal with maintenance, you know. Um, I know you guys got a new house. You have a lot of maintenance. But you just took a trip. And so, you know, right. high intimacy, low maintenance yep. for that time. Yep. And then you can come back refreshed yeah. to handle all the maintenance. Breaks it's from maintenance are really important. Oh, they are. Yeah, yeah. they are. They are. And too many marriages as they progress get into just maintenance discussions. Right. You gotta you gotta watch. And having conversations about what what is an escape for the other person is is important too. Like mine might be you're going to the mall, which he hates. So that's not a good date for us to do <laughs> together. Right. Um, but I like golf and he loves golf. So that's a good date for us to go on where we can kind of escape from right. the stuff right. and right. really right. have fun. So, but being able to talk about that too is good. Like, okay, well, what kinds of things are fun? You know, we both love to go out to dinner. We both love, you know, there's, there's, we love to travel and learn, learn history. And that's a great escape for both of us. But so you found these, these areas of intimacy that you can dip into when the maintenance gets too much. Yeah. Yeah. Like, okay, we need a, a date. We need an escape date night. You know, yeah. 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 Escape from the, and the move that was hard, you know, and it does. It, it always it, is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot more stuff that you're having to deal with. And like you said, more conversations about the minutia part, the boring part. And it's like, where's my friend? Where's my, 
well, you know, this isn't fun. Right. Yeah. <laughs> not having any fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. Higher the intimacy. Yeah. Uh, the lower the maintenance, the higher the maintenance, the lower the intimacy. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. usually if, I, if I'm at home, there's always, and we're doing something, quote, fun, there's always something in the back of my head that this should be getting done and that should be getting done and that should be getting done. So, yeah, it's nice to be able to just do a date night or a long weekend in New Orleans or uh, what have you. It's yeah. That makes a lot of yeah. sense. Sounds good. Okay. Seven principles for making marriage work. Let me give you the seven principles and then, <clears throat> okay. Enhance your love maps. Know what your partner really likes and give it to him or her. It's the test we just did. Number two, nurture your fondness and admiration. Spend time talking about what you appreciate about the other. Mm. That of course enhances intimacy. Uh, turn towards each other instead of away. Don't stonewall Turn towards him or her if you need help. And that creates the deposits in the emotional bank account. So that if you get, if a marriage is in trouble, they don't turn towards each other anymore. They don't let themselves be influenced by the the person that's supposed to be their special person. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let your partner influence you. Let their opinions have weight. Solve your solvable problems Know that 69% of marital conflict is insolvable, but it's okay as long as you accept it and love them and don't blame them. Focus on the good. Uh, number six, overcome gridlock. Find a way to make a repair attempt. And I, I don't know if I talked about that enough. Repair attempts are basically after a conflict that you move back towards the partner. Mm-hmm. You hug, you kiss, you say, I'm sorry, let's sit down. What's, you know, and that may, and then the person may turn down the repair attempt. They may not be ready, Mm -hmm. but to be able to consistently keep coming back to repair it. Um, And, you know, the repairing can be very simple. It can be, I love you and I'm sorry, you know, but it's the couples that don't try to do that. Wow. That are in trouble. Yeah. Okay. And the, yeah, so they, awful. yeah, well, they just, well, they, you know, they distance, they go to their rooms, they go out in the garage, they go to the and mall. They never come back to it. Well, it's hard not to come back to it Yeah, because an unresolved conflict is sort of sitting like a lot of steak in your belly that you haven't processed. Yeah. You know? It's sitting there, but they may not make a repair attempt. They may just reignite the conflict. Well, so it's yeah. a cyclical conflict. Hmm. The repair attempt is the way that um, healthy couples keep their marriage together. It is the solution to conflict. Not not having conflict, that's not possible. But, you know, reducing some of those, you know, four horsemen of the, of the apocalypse. But also, if you get into those, which we can, we can get just mad and we just say things we don't want to say, to come back and repair. That is critical. And create a shared meaning. Talk about what you want to do together, your values, your life goals, your purposes. What are your dreams? You know, and sit down and talk about dreams with each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So any thoughts, statements about making marriage work? What do you think you, where, how do you think you guys are doing on the seven principles? Good. I I'm feeling much better. Not that I was feeling bad before this, but now I feel really good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my, my hit is I've always thought we've had a, a pretty amazing relationship 
and um, the fact that we can compare that or I can compare that to the objective science of it is is really encouraging. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. I mean, I'm so lucky that you're in my life, and um, I just I'm excited. Ah, uh, but the the information is so helpful because it's. Um, it takes it out of it's about me to it's about the situation. It's about, you know, the way people react. It's common. It's normal. Other people have that same experience. Exactly. Right. Everybody fights. Yeah. <clears throat> 80% of the people, men do this and women do this. 69% of marital conflict is unsolvable. Yeah. That's just a like, shocking. I know. Statistic. Just like live with it, you know, yeah. but, but solve what you can solve. Okay. And keep trying to solve. Yeah. Because that, that, creates a, a, a possibility that's good too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Good. Well, I, in, uh, and I do know the answer to the question, uh, list the relative uh, relatives, your partner likes the best because <laughs> <laughs> I have to be transparent here. This is my lovely daughter <laughs> and my very handsome, wonderful son-in-law <laughs> that I have co-opted into this. And Chris tell <laughs> Share with everybody what your friend said yesterday when you told them. Tell them what you said. Yeah, so I was playing um, golf uh, in, a, in a little mini tournament um, yesterday evening, and I just brought it up and I said, "Hey, guess what I get to do tomorrow?" <laughs> so my my mother in law is a psychotherapist and she has a podcast. So I'm going on that podcast um, tomorrow to talk about relationships. And one guy looked me square in the eye. And he said, that is literally my worst nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure that's true. I am sure that's true. (laughs) Well, how'd it go? Are we all still family? Yeah, Yeah, we're good. No, I'm I'm encouraged and excited. (laughs) Good. You should be. You have a great relationship. And I'm very lucky to have you in my life. So thank you both. Thank you. We love you. All right. (laughs) I love you back. Thanks for listening. You can find more episodes and all other Hot Pie Media originals baked fresh daily at our home on the web at hotpiemedia.com, the Hot Pie Media YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts.